gets colder My eyes go thin as I get older Piece in pieces Bloody and bruised I feel so helpless and confused Cause I hear screaming on the left Yelling on the right I'm sitting in the middle trying to live my life Cause I can't stop the walk Good afternoon this is Evelyn Pringle. Welcome to Trish and Evie's Focus on the Facts. Today, Patricia Negron and I will continue to cover the takedown of the global child sex trafficking networks with the latest news on the child abuse and sex trafficking scandals of Jeffrey Epstein, Nexium, and John of God. And Trish will give us the latest world news. In the Epstein scandal, the latest headlines include reports that Epstein wanted to start a baby ranch and flood humanity with his DNA. He wanted to inseminate 20 women at a time at his ranch in New Mexico, according to scientists who talked to the New York Times. Epstein told scientists and businessmen about his goals for a baby ranch beginning in the early 2000s, the Times reported. One transhumanist told the Times that Epstein was also interested in cryogenics and that he wanted to have his head and penis frozen. That horrific story fits in with the John of God scandal. The cult leader, known as John of God, has been accused of running a sex slave farm and selling babies to the highest bidders on the black market, and he was arrested in December 2018. Brazilian activist Sabrina Bittencourt claimed that John of God ran a baby trafficking operation in which children were farmed in Brazil before being sold to childless couples around the world for as much as $40,000 each. His previous, her previous investigations led to his arrest in December. She claims that the young girls were held captive in remote farms where they were forced to produce babies and that the women were all murdered after 10 years of giving birth. His real name is J.O. Texera de Faria, and he was arrested a week after over 600 allegations piled up against him in what prosecutors say could be the worst serial crimes case in Brazil's history. Among the hundreds of allegations against Ferrari, his own daughter, Telvia Dixiera, said that under the pretense of mystical treatments, he abused and raped her between the ages of 10 and 14. He gained international fame in 2010 when Oprah Winfrey visited his retreat to interview him for a talk show, and Bill Clinton and supermodel Naomi Campbell are among those rumored dad visited also. In the latest court hearings in the Epstein case, the judge said that Epstein and his attorney, Alan Dershowitz, were both involved in Epstein's child sex trafficking network. And the victim's attorney, Paul Castle, said in a press conference that there was a universe of 24 girls that Dershowitz may have sexually abused. Dershowitz is out there giving interviews all over the place, trying to clear his name and claiming that he only had one massage at Epstein's mansion. But in reality, he's blackmailing all of the elite. On July 19th, he discussed his relationship with Epstein in an interview by newsmakers. In that interview, Dershowitz said that hundreds of prominent people got massages at Epstein's mansion in New York including Harvard professors, former prime ministers of countries, former leading members of Congress, celebrities, and politicians. He says he listed all the names of these people in his court documents in the Epstein case that are still sealed. It's more than obvious that if the elites won't protect Dershowitz now, he will reveal all the names of the hundreds of people who got massages at Epstein's. The latest headline on August 4th from the Duran states, Jeffrey Epstein, genie behind the crash. The article states, Epstein is the criminal who worked on behalf of America's most powerful billionaires and Bear Stearns to bring down the U.S. financial system. 
to then deliver even greater wealth to those billionaires today in the aftermath of that collapse. Thus, Epstein's secret must be the secret that the political class does not want you to know, or even to ever learn, that he is the enabler for the financial destruction of the U.S. in 2008 and not just responsible for the destruction of young lives. I'll let Trish explain this article because it's far too complicated for me to figure out. And finally... The latest news about the Nexium child sex trafficking cult is that the childhood education program known as Rainbow Cultural Garden that was created by convicted Nexium leader Keith Rainier in 2006 is still operating in France, Guatemala, and the United Kingdom. So I'll bring Trish on now and we'll start the show by first having her give us the latest world news on Iran, Israel, and Venezuela, and then we will get to the battle against the pedophiles and the perverts. Welcome to the show, Trish. Hi, Evelyn. It's good to be back. I, I'm glad to see, you know, so much good information is being uncovered on um, this whole billionaire child sex trafficking problem that we have, the global one. I mean, it's just who would have ever thought we would wind up here as a child? <laughs> Nothing could have convinced me this is this is the world in which I'd be living you know, at 50 years old, but, um, you know, this is the, all of what you were describing is a, is, is at the core of everything we're seeing on the, um, geopolitical front, um, across the Mideast in Ukraine, <clears throat> excuse me, in Latin America, these are all connected. And it's really important that people understand that it's this, child sex trafficking that in which Je people like Jeffrey Epstein, Claire Bronfman, um, and, you know, uh, John of God, all these people have been involved in that has been deliberately used in what are called human compromise operations. And these are, children have been increasingly used in these um, operations because, you know, it just is such a, uh, it's such a damning um, piece of blackmail to have against someone. <clears throat> and so this, you know, this whole organized crime syndicate is, it remains in power by using these sexual blackmail operations. And Whitney Webb has been doing a really great series on specifically Jeffrey Epstein and then tracing this activity back through the, through history with, you know, Meyer Lansky and Roy Cohn and, um, and then in, as part of the mafia. And, and these are tactics that are now just being conducted under color of charity, like the Clinton Foundation and Tara Mar, like the one that um, Gislaine had, um, and all um, under color of, you know, these um, NGOs like World Food Organization, Red Cross. Um, and these are, remember, these all turn up in areas where there is war and chaos and disruption. And, and so these very forces who are conducting these human compromise operations are the ones behind these 
invasions across the Mideast, the coup in the Ukraine, the coups in Honduras, Guatemala, the one that's ongoing in Venezuela. Uh, These are all the same people that are using this blackmail to force others into uh, conducting these activities. So uh, in Venezuela, for example, um, just to catch up on what's going on there, is that, remember, you know, this, so Maduro had been elected in, in a um, presidential election that was observed by more than 150 election observers. They unanimously agreed that it was one of the most transparent and um, best-run elections they had ever witnessed. And Maduro is a fully constitutionally legitimate um, president whom the vast majority of the Venezuelan people want. And in fact, one third of Venezuelans are to the left of Maduro. And it was under the Bolivarian Revolution this, that was begun by Hugo Chavez, whom the U.S. demonized, you know, all throughout. Um, that the critical poverty was reduced to 6%. Um, any family in need of food was getting assistance. Um, the country's oil resources were being used to pay for all of this, um, you know, the needs of the Venezuelan people. And um, the vast majority of Venezuelans were thriving under the situ- this uh, Bolivarian Revolution. And in fact, it was during that Bolivarian Revolution that Venezuela donated through RSK Jr. He was running this pro- the program here from the U.S. Hugo Chavez donated free heating oil to 100,000 poor American households here in the U.S. for more than 10 years. These are households that the U.S. government would have allowed to freeze to death, okay? So this is what the Bolivarian Revolution was about. Well, along comes, you know, they've got these vast oil resources. Well, guess whose attention they're going to get? Of course, we now have the Koch brothers, the Rothschilds, Rupert Murdoch, Sheldon Adelson, you know, all these bad actors want to get their hands on that stuff. And then Venezuela also had over a billion dollars worth of gold bullion sitting in the Bank of England, which is run and controlled by the Rothschilds. They stole that. The U.S. has stolen the U.S.-based oil assets. Um, They're now, uh, they have imposed crippling sanctions on the Venezuelan people. You know, it's really important to understand that these are weapons of mass destruction. They, they kill thousands of people. They are not missiles blowing up, but they are just as lethal. And an estimated 40,000 Venezuelans have already died as a result of these illegal, unilateral U.S. sanctions. And right now, already the U.S. had held up 300,000 doses of insulin from shipment to Venezuela um, by refusing to authorize the electronic transaction. Venezuela had the money. It was attempting to send the money as payment for the insulin, and the U.S. 
blocked it. This is medicine that this is life-saving medicine that the U.S. was deliberately blocking from being released to Venezuela. Now the U.S. has um, blocked the transfer of funds for food, medicine, and medical supplies. They've escalated this further. This targets the civilian population. These are war crimes. They are weapons that are being used against the Venezuelan people, and they are committing genocide. 40,000 people is, qualifies as genocide. So and and many more are coming. They there was another attack, U.S. attack on Venezuela's electric grid, which you know occurred. Remember, a few months ago. We also you know at the same time remember it was when that original electric grid attack um, occurred that we um, that the Gray Zone published this uh, story about how Guaido, along with the CIA, plotted this out in 2010. This operation has been in the works for almost a decade now. Imagine this. And they deliberately attacked the Venezuelan electric grid. And remember, people die when they do this. No, they're not bonds, Lockheed Martin missiles exploding um, in neighborhoods. But they are killing people who are dependent on life support systems, on dialysis, and other, you know, other things like this. I mean, you know, so these are weapons that are being used. So now, then Juan Guaido gets caught embezzling humanitarian aid funds that were raised in that bogus Richard Branson-led um, concert. And then the U.S. goes, turns around and redirects $40 million in humanitarian aid um, that was designated for hungry children in Guatemala and Honduras, where the U.S. also is, you know, behind all the violence and hardship there, too. Um, and they're giving it to this guy who was just shown to have embezzled humanitarian aid funds to pay for, you know, expensive dinners, hotels, uh, and other sundries. So um, th- Russia has um, committed to standing by Venezuela as it weathers this. China is also working with Venezuela to help ensure that it's able to meet its needs. But, you know, again, the, these, they, they've had $30 billion already stolen from them in this heist. I mean, this is what goes on in every one of these countries. It's the same thing that happened in Libya. They stole the gold and they stole the oil. Libya was the most wealthy nation on the African continent. They had no poverty, no homelessness. They paid for everybody's needs with their vast oil reserves. Well, guess whose attention they got real fast. And so they got an invasion, and now they have an open slave market. And this is what these people want. You know, a lot of people talk about how, oh, you know, the U.S. will never invade Iran. They can't possibly win a war with Iran or Russia. They would never do it. That's not the point. The point is not in. It's to create chaos because this is what disrupts those communities and nations to make it all the much easier to loot them for everything they're worth. They also, as going back to these human compromise operations, um, allow for the kidnap 
and trafficking of lots of children who become refugees and wind up in these refugee camps where, you know, routinely children go missing and it turns out they've had their, you know, they've been, they've had their organs um, removed and been trafficked. And that's how Israel, Israel is the largest organ trafficker uh, in the world, is my understanding. And this is one of the key ways that we know that terrorist groups raise money to pay for weapons and for their operations. And so, um, yeah, and, and so, you know, the billionaires are making money on this as well. And, and just to make sure, you know, this is not speculation. Adnan Khashoggi was George H.W. Bush's bag man. He was made CEO of, um, um, he was made CEO of Barrick Gold in Canada. And this was a guy who had a 300-foot yacht that had not only an operating theater, but a morgue on it. Like, what the hell does a person need a frickin' morgue on their yacht for? If you have somebody drop dead on your yacht you ha- and you're a billionaire, you have a helicopter come you know, take it away. You have someone come and take it away. You don't. You don't build a freaking morgue on your yacht. So, right. you know, this was a guy who was also known to be running a human compromise operation on behalf of the CIA under the direction of George H. W. Bush. So we know for a fact this goes on, and so um, that's you know. That's what we've got in Syria. We have in these refugee camps. The U.S. has continued bombing in Syria, um, civilian targets. They are retrenching with the terrorist. Russia is reporting that there are 2,700 militants that are being trained right now, and um, they're supposed to, they're expected to be. Uh, deployed to key locations simply to disrupt, to, to commit terrorist acts, to disrupt the communities and the people, and, and thus continue this um, environment of violence. And so, um, you know, Russia and, and Syria are both being much more assertive in pressing forward, primarily in Idlib, which, which is where the vast majority of these terrorists are now holed up, um, an estimated 30,000 of them. And these are, they're actively receiving shipments of weapons, and they're being helicoptered in and out um, for training and other purposes by the U.S. military. And so... Um, so our it's soldiers are, are participating in all of this. Oh, yeah. Do they know how oh, hated yeah. they are going to be, these soldiers in I, the military right now? I mean, when they're yeah, committing they, this genocide all over the globe, do they know how hated they are going to be when they come home? I think it's starting to sink oh. in. You know, one piece of evidence, um, you know, this is, so Israel is also continuing to conduct um, aggressive actions against Syria in um, in Syria. And then Turkey, you know, Erdogan continues his quest. He's trying to carve out this northern piece of Syria for himself. And he's been working with Israel to do this. You know, he's empire building himself. So he's attacking um, in Syria still, despite, you know, he's, he's part of the terrorist problem 
in Syria. And so, um, and then we also have Israel claiming the Golan Heights now with the consent of Donald Trump's administration um, to, to simply annex that illegally. And that's an important piece of Syria that was captured back in 1967 when Israel attempted to sink the USS Liberty and blamed it on Egypt. But um, so one of the things I wanted to say, like going on to Ukraine, you know, the Ukraine is the same situation. The U.S. conducted a coup operation there in 2014, and it's the the Ukrainian um military is run by a bunch of, you know, terrorist mercenaries who are bombing civilians in Donbass. And um, it's the same kind of terrorist activity that's being conducted across the Mideast. And to your question about do these guys realize how much they are hated, um, one only one-fifth of the Ukrainian military is signing uh, are renewing their um, service. And, uh, you know, we see increasingly, like with, you know, veteran suicides are epidemic here in the U.S. Among French um, police, they're escalating. I, I think we are seeing that, you know, a lot of these guys were being told by their commanding officers the whole time that they were the good guys. And this is this was all for the, the good of, you know, American interests. And they were being lied to. And it, though it's the responsibility of those who are in the service to inform themselves about this stuff, um, I think that they're... I think that it's finally sinking in what they're participating in. It's not harmless. Um, Whatever they end up doing, it's not harmless. You're assisting the machine. And um, babies are, you know, babies are always the primary casualty in these situations. And so, you know, this, what we are, what's going on is genocide, you know, going on to Yemen, um, the Houthis are the militia that was established to defend Yemen. So these are Yemeni people who are, they, they do nothing but defend Yemen inside Yemen. And Saudi Arabia with the U.S., the U.K., and France have, uh, and the help, the UAE was a very key player until just last week they announced that they were fully withdrawing from Yemen on the ground, which they were um, the primary uh, military um, piece on the ground for Saudi Arabia's invasion of Yemen, and um, they, so the Houthis, um, you know, Saudi Arabia is firing on, literally firing on school buses full of young children. They are firing on schools themselves. I know of at least four instances where they fired on maternity wards, where new mothers and their babies are. They fire on fish markets. 
They fire on weddings. They fire on water treatment facilities. None of these are legitimate military targets, obviously. This is not a war. This is an invasion and a genocide that Saudi Arabia is committing. And it is with the help of the U.S. military, which not only trains those Saudi pilots, it supplies the fuel and the coordinates for all of these missile strikes. So it is, you know, the U.K. provides them as well, but, you know, primarily it is the U.S. So those missile strikes on that missile strike on that school bus full of young children were those coordinates were given by the U.S. military. So we are directly involved and U.S. Congress has already voted for us to withdraw. Yet that has not happened. And the U.S. continues to sell tens of billions of dollars worth of weapons to Saudi Arabia. So yeah, wasn't that just in, wasn't that just in the news about uh, them going to cut off the sales, but then Trump approved the sales of Saudi Arabia? Yeah, it keeps happening. It keeps happening. This has happened like three or four times now, where the Congress, you know, will vote for us to withdraw, and then Trump just approves another weapons deal. It, it, it's just a joke. It is an absolute joke. And so um, the the UAE has withdrawn on the ground, as I mentioned. This is a key blow. The Houthis now have drones that they've effectively used. What they did was say they they told Saudi Arabia, uh, you know, publicly and on the record, if you continue to strike inside Yemen, we will strike Saudi targets, military targets, strategic targets in Saudi Arabia in response. And so what Yemen is saying is they're going to do what they have to to stop Saudi Arabia from sending jets into their um, nation and bombing them. So um, Saudi Arabia continued, and so Yemen has the Houthis have effectively deployed these drone systems that they've developed and successfully struck the airports, um, oil uh, refineries, and other non-civilian strategic targets in Saudi Arabia in response. So um, this has got this has seriously weakened. Saudi Arabia in terms of its effort there. So, you know, and the public awareness of this genocide, nearly 100,000 babies have already starved to death. Can you imagine as a parent watching your child starve to death? That is like the most painful, agonizing way for anyone to die and then add to that, you know, being a parent, watching it happen over and over again to one, one of your children after another. And this yeah. is entirely deliberate. Not only is the U.S. training those Saudi pilots, providing the fuel and coordinates for those missile strikes, the U.S. Navy is also assisting in the blockade on Hodeida Port, which is the key port through which any humanitarian aid could reach the millions more on the brink of death from starvation. Well, a couple years ago, there was a um, humanitarian aid flotilla that was trying to um, bring food and medicine and supplies. Three days before they were set to reach Hodaida Port, Saudi Arabia bombed it eight times 
they bombed Hojaidapur. And since then, the U.S. has assisted in maintaining a blockade on that port. So no food or medicine can get in. That's what our Navy is doing, is assisting in the starvation of millions more children. Yeah, and there's no way they don't know what's going on now. These members of the service, and that's why I say they're going to be so hated. You know, they say they go into the service because, oh, they're undereducated and they they don't have any money. And they'll get, uh, going into the service, they'll get education when they get out and they'll get health care and all this. Well, all that has turned out, it ain't true anymore anyhow. They don't get those benefits. But even if they did, you will commit to committing genocide all over this globe, killing millions of innocent people just so that you can be in that military? And you get your college education and health care when you get out? Get a paycheck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. disgusting. I know. I and think the truth I think, is they don't get those benefits anymore anyhow. No, it's true. It's true. It's all a con for sure. So, and so um, you know, any decent person would get out of that military now. They would not continue this. I, yeah, no, I, mean, I hate them. I hate them that they're killing all these innocent people. All over the globe. Yeah, there's no excuse. I mean, you know, you can't. Willful ignorance is no is not acceptable. And in today's day and age, it doesn't take very much to discover the truth of what's going on. And and you know, it's like I I have family in the military, and it's like okay, you know, I've. I do what I can to, you know, make sure that they understand the truth of what's going on as I learn it. But it's like if you continue to participate, it's like I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm voting for the the people who are being invaded. Uh, you know, I'm voting yeah. that they win. You I want to see Yemen win. Destroyed. I want to see Syria win. I want to see them survive imperialist aggression and and you know i so i and i think more and more people are start it's starting to sink in it's just gotten too obvious like with these so in israel you know the netanyahu is totally on the ropes with his political um career uh minko paled who's a former idf uh officer and he's uh, now a Palestinian solidarity activist wrote a really great piece that was published in Mint Press News about Netanyahu and what's really going on in Israel because the problems in Israel are not about Netanyahu though he is part of the problem but it is the whole system from the very very start as Albert Einstein and 27 of his contemporaries tried to warn us in a December 1948 open letter to the New York Times. They called out Israel as a fascist terrorist state from the very inception. And that's what it remains today. They continue to commit acts of terror. There was an MI5 agent recently that um, I just saw this video. I think she made this statement some time ago. But um, Annie Machon, who said that in 1994, um, their their intelligence um, indicated to them that Israel bombed its own embassy in London and blamed Muslims in retaliation for 
Palestinian activism. Is is, is this a horrific thing to um, you conceive? Yeah, I mean, but we know for a fact in 1967, as I previously mentioned, that Israel deliberately attacked the USS Liberty and murdered three dozen American crewmen. They would have killed all 270 if they could have. They tried. That was their goal, was to sink that ship and kill everyone on board. They knew they were firing at an American ship. They knew it was an intelligence ship that had no defense systems. Um, they machine-gunned the men who attempted to escape in lifeboats. They dropped napalm on the decks where the wounded were brought to be triaged. Um, they, and then they blamed Egypt. They blamed the Muslims. Back in 1967, same with the King David Hotel. This is this is the modus operandi of the Israeli government, and it is it is a criminal operation, very much like the U.S. government is a, a organized crime syndicate under operating under color of um, law itself, and that's what Saudi Arabia is. It's what the Vatican is. You know, we talk about the child sex trafficking. We haven't, you know, had the opportunity to speak about the Vatican lately. But, my God, no, they are the largest child sex trafficking operation in the world. And they're the oldest by far. How many children have millions stolen from their mothers for being poor or unwed and given away, sold to wealthy families all over Ireland and Spain and you know, again, these, and back then it was the Jesuits who were, you know, causing the terror and mayhem all over the place in order to dislodge children from their families and be trafficked by these, you know, horrible networks. So um, this is not new. There is plenty of historical data to back it up. Um, so um, I, and then, uh, what else? I, the, you know, the Gilet Johns keeps um, going. These protests have gone on, I think it's 38 weeks now. And Macron has the audacity to call out Russia on its protests. Yet, you know, 500 cases of police brutality brought against Interior Minister Castaner were summarily thrown out by a new attorney general appointment by Macron. So in response, French attorney Sophia Salmeron brought some of those cases to The Hague in the beginning of June um, for prosecution. And though I don't expect them to get um, prosecuted, I mean, these are war crimes. They have deliberately blinded two dozen of these unarmed peaceful protesters with direct shots to their eyes. 300 um, head injuries, catastrophic head injuries that left people in comas, they brain with brain damage, their lost teeth, mutilating injuries to their faces. Um, you know, this is what's going on in France under Macron. And, you know, the, we've seen the roving bands of the quote-unquote police with orange armbands and, and bully sticks running around just, you know, like a pack of freaking dogs swarming in, you know, people who are just, you know, doing nothing 
but walking around and peacefully protesting, and they'll beat the living daylights out of them. This is what yeah. Macron's police are doing. So, um, yeah, Macron, he's married, married to his pedophile uh, wife. That's uh, yes. right out there yes. in plain sight, you know. That, that, what is she, 20-some yes. years older than him? She was his teacher? She, she was, yes, molested. she was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so they played this right out in the open now. I don't care that we know it. Yep, yep. Yeah, and and um, Macron was a Rothschild banker. Oh, is that right? Yes, before he became prime minister. That's what his career was. He was a Rothschild's banker, literally. Worked for the Rothschilds. Wow. <laughs> Thanks. Wow. I mean, you know, the ties, you know, go on and on and on. So, you know, we're seeing the same kind of corruption in France. I mean... It, it, it just, um, you know, in the U.K., where Boris Johnson is now, you know, set to take over as prime minister, it's... Um, yeah, what's he about? He's, a, he's an ardent Zionist. He um, is open, passionate Zionist. Um, but he, you know, we, we've seen we, Theresa May and her husband profiteering on the genocide in Yemen. I mean, these guys are as corrupted as it gets. Like I said, you know, this MI5 agent, this, these acts of terrorism, we've seen now two mass shootings suddenly occur back-to-back in the U.S. Um, that I'm ignoring them so totally. conveniently timed. Mm-hmm. I know. But, I'd expect a miss. You know. Yeah, oh, yeah. And so, and already, you know, the public discussion about these um, quote-unquote mass shootings has been shut down. People's accounts are being suspended or shadow banned and um, that yeah. kind of thing. Uh, James Corbett did a video on um, the Federal Reserve, and it, it was called Century of Enslavement. And it's been up for a year now, but was suddenly... Um, removed from search results after rating, ranking number one for months and months and months. So, um, you know, the, cen- the censorship around the banking forces behind all of this violence around the world are being shut down at every turn. But, you know, as we've, you know, walked through so many times, everywhere you look in these positions of power, they all tie back to these same handful of billionaire families who are set on looting this planet for everything it's worth and using us to do it. Right, right. Well, can you can you explain that article in the Duran about Jeffrey Epstein behind the crash? Do you believe that's true? You know, Evelyn, I did not get a chance to get through it. I apologize. And um, so I'm going to have to do that uh, and and follow up with you on it. I apologize. Well, that's okay. That's, I, it's just so complicated. I don't understand the financial world. I honestly don't. I mean, so many times over the years I made up my mind I was going to go online and I was going to, you know, Google and do research and figure out this financial business of the world, you know. And every time I try to do it, my mind just goes blank. It's just like it will not well, absorb any of this. I cannot understand the financial. There's a the good reason why. You know what? Yeah. There is a very right. good reason why. And it's not. 
because there's anything wrong with you. Because it's because the way that these markets work are total scams. They are scams. There's nothing legitimate about them. And I say that as someone who worked in Wall Street finance for 30 years. I worked on the asset management side, investment banking, private equity, and corporate finance. I've been all, I've been on all sides of this, and I can tell you it's a fucking racket. And the reason why people don't feel they can understand it is because there is no legitimacy to it. It's all psychological, and it is all manipulated. So, you know, um, you, I was, I'm, as, when you're talking about things like derivatives, you know, the fractional banking system, right? This, is, this was where, you know, the downward spiral really began, where the, these banks could take, uh, as, normally as collateral, when you get a car, you can, t- whatever that car is worth is what you can get for collateral, Right? No more. If you want a loan, only up to the value of that car, right? Because the assumption is like one for one. If you have a $20,000 loan, you need a $20,000 asset in order to um, secure the loan so that if you can't repay it, we can get our $20,000 back. The fractional banking system says that you could have $1.00 but you can lend $100 to people. And you can just create that $100 out of thin air. It's all, it's all just numbers on a page. And this is, I, I kid you not, Evelyn, I'm somebody who sat on the audit committee of a New York Stock Exchange listed uh, multi-billion dollar multinationals for 10 years. And so I, you have to be, you're, I considered a financial expert. And so, you know, I I can tell you that, you know, gap accounting, which is the official accounting is state sanctioned fraud. Those numbers do not rip except for the cash flow page. um, Those numbers are created. They, they are not based <laughs> in anything. I, they don't represent anything concrete. So, so is that why my um, mind goes blank? Because I can, yes, I can sense that yes. it's all fake and it doesn't make any yes, sense. Yes, it's fraud. There's, that's exactly right, Evelyn. It, it's outright fraud. And so when you're talking about derivatives, that's, that's the same idea as these, um, the fractional banking system. So you can have an asset, and then the way that, remember the mortgage banking crisis, there were these um, mortgage derivatives, right? You heard about those, I'm sure. And these mortgage derivatives were, in theory, a whole bunch of mortgages that were tied to houses that had been sold so you, you can sell a loan for the value of the loan to another bank, and then the bank collects the principal on interest and interest on that loan, okay? Okay. So they were taking, you know, a couple hundred of these mortgages from a bank. They wanted to get these old ones off of their books so they could go write new loans for on better terms for themselves, okay? So other... What you would do is 
sell a derivative. So you repackage these loans in this derivative asset and sell that. And the way that the whole, um, even the ratings agencies were in on the whole thing, S&P, uh, at Standards and Standard and Poor's, and um, I forget what the other ones were, but these are the, there's like three of them, and they all do the ratings for these, um, these products, these financial products like the mortgage derivatives. And so you get a rating based on the quality of the loans, and it's supposed to dictate um, the interest rate paid and the, and the value of the, the product. So the higher the rating, the more you can sell your product for. Well, these banks, the investment banks, were cherry-picking the firms to give them the ratings so that, you know, they're the ones paying for it. So if you don't give them the ratings they want, they'll go to another rater and buy the rating they want to get. And it just became, they were putting all these shitty mortgages into these derivatives being sold as A-grade um, <clears throat> derivatives products. And, you know, eventually you run out of buyers. And so the whole thing collapses in on itself. But these derivatives products are worth, you know, a hundred, a thousand times what the actual value of the homes underlying them are worth. It was, it's all monopoly money. It's made up out of thin air. And then, so I can see if Jeffrey Epstein was at Bear Stearns back when, all, you know, all this when there was there were other um issues going on he was he was fired for having committed financial fraud i can easily see how he was in on that whole thing because you know those derivatives were fraud that that was a fucking ponzi scheme and nobody went to jail for it think about it none of them went to jail they knew what they were doing was fraud and so the same thing is now happening with the foreign derivatives so these are derivatives based on, um, like, country debt. So as a nation, the U.S. has debt, right? We owe money for to the banks for funding different programs that are run by the U.S. Well, there are derivatives now on that foreign debt. And under the Obama administration, it just so happened that a, one of the Goldman, Goldman Sachs appointees carved out foreign derivatives from um, regulation with the passage of the Dodd-Frank uh, legislation. And so these foreign derivatives have been estimate, estimated by um, Stanford derivatives expert Paul Wilmot back in 2010 to already have exceeded one quadrillion. In value, well, one. This was back in 2010. Only two years after, you know, this was one year into the passage of Dodd Frank. Okay, and so now we're ten years into that. When the mortgage derivatives um, collapse happened, you're talking maybe thirty trillion. Wow! So a I can't even count that high. A thousand trillion, huh? <laughs> I said I can't even count that high to those numbers. Yes, no, I mean. These are the, the the amounts of money we're talking about are there were it's more than the entire world probably of, of assets that you could derive you know natural oil gas 
you know, minerals and all of that. It's probably, it's probably over 10 quadrillion by now. Yeah. No, Epstein, he's real in thick with, he's Jewish and he's real in, he's real in thick with Israel, eh? He's tied into all the big financiers and billionaires. So yeah. he, and he yeah. has been involved in financial schemes and quote unquote investments for these very people who are also, you know, funding presidential campaigns of candidates who are, you know, they want to um, pass and uh, be friendly with Israel. So you're talking about Sheldon Adelson, you know, the Rothschilds. The Rothschilds, you know, was the Balfour Declaration that gifted Israel or Palestine to the Rothschilds um, for to fulfill their Zionist agenda. The, you know, the the Rothschilds are behind the state of Israel. So what right. they're funding whatever is going to get them a favorable return on their establishment of the Israeli state. And that's what we see happening. That's how they get, you know, that's why they want Macron in office. It's why they wanted Justin Trudeau. It's, you know, they're pulling all the levers with, you know, um, with the UK and, uh, you know, so many other places. And it just so happens that another billionaire, you know, interest, Sheldon Adelson, happens to be pulling the levers with Donald Trump right now. Sure. But he's also an ardent Zionist. I mean, he says, he openly states that that, you know, his priority and his loyalty is to the state of Israel. And so that's what he's, you know, buying influence for. Yeah, you know, and, you know, I always say, you know, I can't stand Trump. And the only thing I, well, the main thing I like about him is it's taking down these child sex trafficking networks, you know. But then I turn around and, you know, and then he's up to no good over there in Israel. It's, it's, yeah, well, it's I mean, people want a hero. People want a hero so bad, you know. It's but true. I don't think he's involved in this Epstein thing. And, you know, like we talked about before, that attorney said that, uh, uh, that Trump was the only one that called him. I think it was back in 2009. He had sent out subpoenas to a bunch of the elites that he thought would have information about this sex trafficking network. And he said Trump was the only one that called him. And that and he told him he didn't need to give him any subpoenas. That he talked to him for as long as he wanted. He'd give him whatever information he wanted. And he said he did help him. And he, and he says he doesn't think he's involved in this in Epstein's child sex trafficking network. And that, uh, that he did help him with the investigation, you know. And and that's a great sign, you know. But on the other hand, all the other stuff he's up to just makes me sick. <laughs> well, but and if you just look at what happened, what just happened with Claire Bronfman, this was what oh. a month or two ago. She walked on child sex trafficking charges. You brought up the Rainbow Cultural Garden. This was yep. a preschool for grooming yep. preschoolers. For child sex trafficking. And she and the walked other on sisters, it. The other Brockman sister is the one that's running some of these Rainbow Cultural Garden Centers. The one that never the, came the, back to this country. Yeah. Um, Claire and Claire. Nancy. Yeah. Well, Claire, I think, is the one. And she's got a different last name. That, um, I forget what it is now. But uh, it says that she's running these and. They never brought her back to these countries, so she never got prosecuted. But she's over there running these these child uh, 
education programs in other countries. It's horrifying. None, none of these people are getting punished. And, you know, you look at Donald Trump appointed Alexander Acosta, the very guy who let Jeffrey Epstein walk on those charges in on child sex trafficking charges in um, Florida. He's the one that approved that illegal plea deal. He's the one that confirmed, in fact, Jeffrey Epstein belonged to, quote-unquote, intelligence. And it was also further confirmed in the court documents that Jeffrey Epstein was, in fact, an FBI informant. And these are people, they're let, you know, so Alexander Acosta gets a promotion after doing this. You know, he's the one overseeing the Department of Labor is the one that oversees uh, so much of the human trafficking that goes on, like with the um, sweatshops and the illegal um, stuff going on with the migrant workers. I mean, this this is a guy who let a serial predator who had already victimized, you know, hundreds of children who had the means and motive to continue um, you know, uh, targeting these children and, and preying on these children and trafficking them to wealthy and powerful people. Right, exactly. Well, Dershowitz, you know, out here, I'm, I'm convinced he's blackmailing all these elite. I mean, and he says hundreds of prominent people. When he says Harvard professors, former prime ministers, former leading members of Congress, celebrities and politicians. And he says he listed all these names in his court documents in that Epstein case. And he, it, but he says he's trying to get them unsealed, but he, he's not anymore. He's not trying to get them unsealed. But the thing is, he said he, that he, he revealed all these names in those court documents. Can you imagine what this is hanging over these people? That well, and I find it interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that he should claim to be able to... Um, influence that whole process isn't that up to the judge because if those court documents get unsealed the public will know they don't need alan dershowitz to tell them like what is that well, right. about like well he's you know, making like it, he's making like he wants them unsealed but i don't think he does anymore and he used to say too that he wanted that uh, virginia roberts guffrey you know to to sue him you know, because when he was saying that she was a liar, that he never had sex with her and all this, he'd never been, met her, he'd never been to the places she said he had sex with her in and all this. But he taunted her enough until she did, you know. And then he told people that he was glad that he was going to get to clear his name out. Now he's filed a motion well, to dismiss that case. You yeah, know, he's such of a course. Liar. Well, no, that's the thing. They, You know, that we know that that's how they operate. Um, yeah. And... And he, you know, one of the really interesting things, too, though, is that it, when you look at these guys, you know, they just like they've thrown Jeffrey Epstein under the bus in order to cover, you know, other people's um, butts, they'll, they'll throw anyone. It doesn't matter who you are or who, how much worth you've had in the past to them. You know, Ghislaine Maxwell's uh, own father, Robert Maxwell, you know, there was a biography written about him. He was an Israeli super spy. He stole some of the most important um, intelligence software that uh, had ever been developed by the U.S. and was, 
you know, um, celebrated at his untimely death after he got a little bit too independent-minded and threatened himself to um, expose others who were involved in, you know, these kinds of behaviors. And so, you know, I, I, I wonder that Alan Dershowitz doesn't realize he's signing his own <laughs> death warrant, I think, among these guys, should he persist with that um, line of uh, rhetoric. Because, you know, we've seen again and again and again that everyone to them is disposable. There is no one that cannot be replaced in their minds. It's the system. And it's true. We've seen that hold true over and over again as they've just replaced unruly um, pawns with others that, you know, will fall in line. Sure. It's just like that uh, Brazilian activist that Sabrina Bittencourt that turned in John of God. Um, they made it so she committed suicide two months later. Yeah, this is yep. so awesome. So awesome. Well, Trish, our time is up. Thank you so <laughs> much for having such an excellent review of the world news because I wait every week to get it from you. <laughs> so, oh, thank you. I, I ran a little long to get some more background in this time just to refresh everybody. That's okay, people. We will see you next week. People, have a good week. You Bye. too, Evelyn. Because I hear screaming on the left, yelling on the right. I'm sitting in the middle trying to live my